So to be a disciple of Jesus ultimately can boil down to one word that has two parts to it. So ultimately, discipleship, uh, so to be a disciple of anyone, really, so whether I'm a disciple of Jesus or a disciple of someone else, uh, it boils down to this word imitation, right? So if I am a disciple of someone, I make it my goal to imitate them as well as I possibly can, right? So everything I do, if I'm someone's disciple, everything I do with my life lies in observing and then conforming my life to that person, right? So that's where this one word imitation kind of breaks up into two, right? Because I can't, I can't imitate someone if I don't, I can't imitate their actions if I don't watch them. I can't imitate their speech if I don't pay attention to what they're saying, right? So this, this is where we, so if I'm a disciple of Jesus, which hopefully, right, hopefully I am, hopefully all of us here are, or at least would consider ourselves disciples of Jesus. So if I'm a disciple of Jesus, it's like my life goal to imitate him as well as I possibly can, right? So each of us, uh, live different lives, right? We have different circumstances in our lives. Some of us are married, some of us are celibate. Some of us are single and hoping to be married, and some are single and, I would say, hopefully you'll be celibate, uh, right? Others are retired, others are still working. Some of us are children, some of us are older adults and anything in between, right? So like, we all have different circumstances in our lives. So thinking of, okay, I wanna imitate Jesus as well as I can. Right? So not all of us are able to imitate Jesus in the same exact way. At the same time, we are all able to grow in our imitation of Jesus. Right? But before we can begin to act and think and see and speak like he does, it first requires that we have to learn from him. Right? This is why so many times in Scripture, in the Gospels, you'll hear Jesus referred to as a teacher because he's teaching the ones who have chosen to be a disciple of his. Right? So if I'm, if I'm saying, Jesus, I want to be your disciple, it means, Jesus, teach me how you act. Teach me how you speak. Teach me how you think, maybe, more than anything. So that as I think like you think, Jesus, then my actions will naturally be like yours. My speech will naturally be like yours. I'll begin to look at the world naturally like you do. Right? So, so this, is, this is ultimately what it, what it is to be a disciple. So then we can pay attention, right? If I, if I know this information, I can pay attention to when I'm reading or listening to the Gospels in a very particular way, especially in the parts of the Gospel where it says something like this, calling his disciples to himself. That's a signal for us whenever we hear the Gospel or read the Gospel, that's a signal for us that Jesus is, he's like trying to gather us in like for a huddle, right? Like this is a teaching moment for you. I'm gonna give you, it's like he's saying, I'm gonna give you an insight into how I see the world. And so for us, right, for us who are, again, wanting to learn, right, so that learning for the purpose of imitating him more perfectly, right, so when he said calling is, it's like, okay, I'm ready, I'm, I'm in, my ears are perked up, I'm, I'm aware, I'm ready to go. Jesus, what are you teaching? 
He said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury. Okay, what can we learn from that? For they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she from her poverty has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. Right, so when we read the Gospels, if we're learning from Jesus, we can pay attention and just sort of ask the question from a particular passage, what can I learn? And I think as I was praying and, and studying and, and preparing for this homily, I noticed a few things that I think we could all learn. Again, maybe in our different circumstances in life, we can apply them differently, but I think there are things we can all learn. As it turns out, this passage is about money, right? So I'm not talking about money, but Jesus is, right? So I'm, I'm talking about Jesus talking about money. So don't get upset with me when I talk about money, okay? So the first thing we can notice, right? What do we notice about Jesus? Or what do we learn from him? The first thing is that he notices what you and I give away. He notices what people give away. He doesn't accidentally choose to sit down opposite the treasury as though like, oh, I guess I'm tired, I gotta sit here. Oh, look, the treasury, right? No, like he intentionally goes to the treasury and sits down there so that he can observe. So to think about this, Jesus sees and notices what you give away. Every week when the collection plate is passed around, he sees what you give away. For some of us, that can be really comforting actually, right? Because sometimes we can, you know, sort of like the collection basket, it's like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to put something in here, so I will. I don't think any, I don't know if it makes a difference, or I don't know if anyone really notices. Well, Jesus notices. So to know that when you put money in the collection basket every week or when you donate to a Christian charity because it's the Christian thing to do, because you want to be like Jesus, he notices that. And that can be really, it's, it's actually a, it's a spiritual action to give material possessions away. I think that can be really powerful. For others of us, it might be really uncomfortable. So we might not put anything in the collection basket. We might not give away anything that we have. Jesus notices that too. So I think that's just the first thing. It's a very simple point. But Jesus notices what his disciples or what people in general give away. And the second point is not, it's not completely different, but it is, it is something different, right? So he notices the rich people putting in large sums. And then he notices this widow come along and put in just a couple of coins, right? And he points out the one who's more generous, right? So Jesus notices what people give away, and he tends to point out the people who are most generous. And with that, his way of thinking about generosity, it seems like it tends to be different than what we usually think of when we think of generosity. And I, when, I, when I think of this, I think especially of charitable organizations, like the church. I think that a lot of times, when we're talking about charitable giving, or when we think of things like, um, you know, the Bishop's Guild, or when we're setting up scholarship foundations, and we set up these different tiers of, of like amounts that people give, they almost are always geared toward those who give the highest amount of money. 
When Jesus here is highlighting not, he's, he's highlighting the opposite of that. Jesus is revealing here that he's actually a percentages guy. Rather than looking at the specific amount that people are giving, he's highlighting the one who gives the highest percentage of what they have. And so I think sometimes, right, sometimes I think the church even could, could go for a good rebuke from the Lord. Because, like I said, we, some, we, we can tend to highlight those who give the most amount. When in fact, maybe what Jesus wants to highlight is those who are making the biggest sacrifice. And again, as, as we notice this, right, this can either be very comforting for you, or it can be a bit uncomfortable. That could be incredibly comforting to you. Like if you're one of those people who for years has been like making a real sacrifice in your, your sacrificial giving, right? You're making a real sacrifice saying, I'm willing to go without this thing because I'm willing to give that to the Lord. I'm willing to forego this so that I can give more away. Even if that more away is actually like a smaller amount that rarely goes recognized. And so for you to recognize, like, Jesus actually seems like he attaches blessings to those who give more of a sacrifice away. And those blessings are not necessarily blessings that will be experienced here and now, but they're blessings that for sure will be experienced in heaven. When he'll lift up those people who make the greatest sacrifices for his sake and for the sake of the gospel, He'll lift those people up and say, this one gave more than all of the others because he or she contributed more of their livelihood. What a beautiful thing. But again, for others, sometimes this could be a little uncomfortable. I know for me it is, actually. When I read about the widow's might, as it's often called, I am always convicted because... I mean, I know the percentage of my money that I give away, but I also know that I could give more. I know that I tend to buy frivolous things or I tend to spend my money on myself. When I could easily give more away to the church or to other charitable organizations. And so every time I read this, this passage, it, it like convicts me to ask the question, am I striving to imitate Jesus? as well as I can. Because Jesus points out those who are most generous, not just because they're generous, but because they're most like him. Jesus, who was abundantly rich, abundantly wealthy, in glory with the Father and the Holy Spirit, sets aside his glory to take on our limited human nature and what's more, within the limited human nature, he literally gives everything for us. And so for me, there's always this question, am I striving to give everything for the Lord God in imitation of Jesus? Which of course includes my money, but even more than that, brothers and sisters, it includes my whole life. Am I striving, are you striving to live your whole life for Jesus, sacrificing as much as you can out of love for him? And again, like I said, this, this might look different for each one of us. 
right? I can probably afford to give away more, a higher percentage because I need less. Whereas you with families, right, you maybe need a little bit more so that you can provide food for your children or your spouses, so you can provide them certain things. And yet at the same time, I think we ought to let this gospel make us a little bit uncomfortable, as though we're constantly being forced to ask the question, but can I give more? Can I give more of my money away to the church and to charitable organizations? Can I give more of my time to the Lord in prayer or in, in coming to mass maybe more often even than just on Sundays? Can I give more of the abilities that God has given to me for building up the kingdom of God rather than pursuing my own things? Is it possible for me to give more of myself to the Lord? Because I want to be not just a follower, not just a fan of Jesus, but I want to be his disciple, learning from him. And in learning, I imitate him as well as I can, adjusting my thoughts, adjusting my sight, adjusting my actions, and adjusting my speech. Constantly seeking to become more and more and more like him. It's a convicting question, but the end result, brothers and sisters, when you and I can be more generous with Jesus, the end result is that he lifts us up in front of others and he says, this one has contributed more than all the others because out of their surplus, in other words, he's saying for them, it wasn't a sacrifice, but for this person, I see that it's a sacrifice and I, I can't wait to bless this person. I can't wait to hold this person up as an example in my kingdom. What a gift that'll be for me to do for them and what a gift it'll be for them to experience. When I was thinking about this, this is the last thing, I was thinking about this, to have a relationship with Jesus, right? Do we come to mass week after week after week just sort of expecting to receive with a sort of consumeristic mentality, right? I come to mass, I hear the homily, hopefully it's good, hopefully Father's a little bit funny. I get the Eucharist and then I go home. Do I come with this consumerist mentality, this sort of like, they better give me what I'm looking for? Or do I come to mass, come to church with this mentality of, yes, I'm gonna receive the body and blood of Jesus. I'm gonna recognize that Jesus has given me so much but I'm also in relationship with him, I'm gonna give something in return. And that something is as much as I can give. Even to the point that sometimes it's gonna feel like it's a real sacrifice. But when I give to the point that it's a real sacrifice, then I get to be like Jesus. And then I can know that we have a real relationship and what a beautiful gift that is.